Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to the Inspire to Fire podcast. My name is Chris and I'm your host. And this show is all about inspiring you towards reaching financial independence. And we do this by breaking down numbers, learning how to invest, paying off debt, and also lifestyle choices. And this episode, we're going to be focused on lifestyle choices. So a little bit less numbers and a little bit more decisions on how to build a life that you maybe don't want to retire from or enjoying the journey just a little bit more. So this episode, we have Jessica from the Pioneers joining us, and she's going to be talking to us about slow fi. It's a concept that she is known for. She pretty much coined the phrase, and she writes a lot about it on her blog, which is thefioneers.com. So I'm excited to have this conversation with her. She's going to go over her money story, a little bit about why taking time off during the fire journey can be so beneficial to your mental health. And we also discuss building that financial freedom along the fire journey. So you can have the ability to uh, coast fi, barista fi, take a year off. Um, take a sabbatical. So those are the options that I hope that you can realize from this episode. And that all comes from building your financial freedom along your fire journey and focusing not on the destination, but on the journey itself. You want to enjoy this journey of financial independence. You don't want to be living for tomorrow or saying to yourself, you will be happy in five years, 10 years, whenever you reach your financial independence journey. So I thought that was something that she really, Jessica, really brought home in this episode, and um, I hope that that sinks in for you guys as well. And so she's going to be teaching us a little bit about how to design a life that you really don't want to retire from, where you can slow-fi your way to financial independence instead of the narrative that puts so many people off from the FIRE movement, which is, you know, hardcore savings for five to 10 years and then take it slow. She preaches taking it slow from the beginning and um, really focusing on your mental health. So anyways, that is an introduction. I'm going to save a little bit of the gems for you for the episode. So you're going to want to stick around to the end. And thank you guys so much for joining and listening to the episode If you're new to the show, go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We drop an episode every Wednesday. And if you're a return listener, thank you so much. You can go ahead and support the show by sharing it with a friend, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. So those are some of the ways. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Inspire to Fire. 
You can check out a lot of the resources that I provide, like a free fire calculator to calculate your fire number, a free Roth conversion ladder, all at inspiredfire.com. So you can go to that website and check that out for free. So anyways, enough about the promotion. Here is Jessica from The Pioneers. Hey, Jessica, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. No, thank you. And um, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I've been following your story, um, you and your husband's story, I believe, right? For a while now and um, through the Pioneers website and, and blog that you share. So, thank you for taking the time to share your story with my audience. And speaking of your story, I'd love if you can give the audience a little bit about uh, yourself, a background of yourself and your money story, please. For sure. Um, so I'm Jessica. Um, I am one half of the pioneers, um, but I do most of the writing and most of the sort of public facing stuff. My husband does more of the background website ops kind of stuff. Um, a little bit about me. I live in Boston. Um, I'm 35 and we're a dual income, no kids couple. And on the career side, I like to say that I am a full-time human being and a part-time writer and coach because work is not actually the most important part of my life. Um, and that's usually not the case when people ask you to introduce yourself. They want you to like tell you about their career and so that you can sort of mentally put them in the pecking order of like... <laughs> you know, who is this person? How much money do they make? Right? All of those things. And, you know, that to me over time, that's become less and less important. And I still love to do work that I truly love, but I only do it about 20 to 25 hours a week. Awesome. Yeah. And, and I think that that's so unique. Not, I mean, maybe to the fire movement, the fire movement is trying to, uh, you know, undo that social norm of like, uh, hey, introduce yourself. Well, I'm a pharmacist. That's exactly what I would say initially. Um, and I still struggle with not saying that first, um, as if my job identifies me. So that is unique in that aspect. But also, even for the fire movement, I think your story is unique because the traditional fire movement story is gathering or accumulating assets for 10 years. Um, throughout those 10 years, you kind of hate your job and you're just waiting for that fire number moment to occur so that you can start living your life. Um, you decided to like turn that on its head. So can you go a little bit more about how that even occurred and what, what sparked that? Sure. So I, I learned about financial independence, like really learned about it in late 2017, early 2018. Um, but prior to that, I had known a little bit about it. So my husband was into it. And every year we'd have one discussion of like, how much are we going to save this year? And he'd always just say like, let's save 5% more. Let's, you know, you know, and then we'd have that, that sort of continually. And I think that happened for probably three or four years before I actually got into it. But the great thing about it was that we were, by the time I was ready to say, like, okay, financial independence is a thing, let's go for it. Like, we were already in a fairly good financial position. 
And so when I learned about financial independence, I was in a place where I was completely burned out. I was in a toxic job. I was experiencing some mental health challenges, so depression and pretty severe anxiety. And so I was ready to make a change and I was ready to consider living my life differently. And then the great thing was, well, so at first when I heard about Phi, I still thought, oh, Phi is interesting, but it still feels like it's about deprivation. Like I would have to stay in my same career toxic environment for another 10 years and then I could do the things that I wanted, right? And so then over time, I then was exposed to different kinds of resources and, um, you know, so learned a lot about people who were becoming entrepreneurs or people who were designing their lives so that they could travel more. And doing that all before they were reaching financial independence. And so that was really inspiring to me. Um, And then I had a mental health crisis in 2018, um, where I started to have pretty severe panic attacks and severe anxiety. And that really like made me have to make a choice, right, about how I wanted to live my life and how I wanted to move forward. And so I had this then knowledge and understanding of financial independence, of people who were living their lives differently. And so it was a lot easier, not easy, to say, okay, there is a different way of living. But really in that moment, it was probably the first time that I looked at my finances in a way that asked, what can my finances do for me today? rather than what can this monopoly money do for me 30 years down the road? Yeah. Right? And so so that was a really, I think, pivotal moment for me um, to realize like, oh, I have this nine-month emergency fund of what people sometimes call FU money that I can use to get out of this, this bad situation that I'm in. And then from there, that whole mindset, I think, has colored the way that I view financial independence, because my question is always, how can I use the financial freedom that I'm building to make my life better while not jeopardizing the ultimate end goal of reaching financial independence? Because for me, the goal is having a wonderful, joyful fulfilling and adventurous life, not a specific number. Yeah. And I uh, actually love the fact that you are, you know, discussing and bringing this to light because I think that that's one very off-putting topic or um, concept about financial independence is this idea that, you know, you there might be some deprivation. Um, you know, you, you hear some of the frugality concepts and to some people, that just sounds very deprivative. Uh, deprivation. So, uh, yeah. So, I think that a lot of people would relate to this story and uh, to this concept of slow fi that we're going to discuss a little bit more. And also the concept of FU money and how the fact that FIRE builds upon itself or financial independence builds upon itself so that you can, you, you start to gain more freedom as you go along. So, it's not just this one inflection point. I just want to highlight before we move further, though, the fact that you said that 
this mental health issue affected the way you viewed money. And I think that that's key because I also remember I didn't have the same mental health issue, but I did have a lot of thoughts about the future and how each dollar that I earned, you know, the opportunity cost of not investing it with compound interest was always on my mind. But I didn't realize the power of using it today to bring happiness today. Um, so I think that that's an important part because a lot of people struggle through the financial independence journey. And I think it's because they're thinking about the opportunity cost of each dollar that they're earning. Do you think that's somewhat correct? I do. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes people will put off the things that they really would love to do because they can invest it. Um, and then like reach their financial milestones and goals more quickly, thinking that then they'll reach their goals and they'll magically be happy. Um, which I think we've seen time and time again that that just doesn't actually happen that way, right? Like it gives you more space to be able to figure out what makes you happy. But there's so many examples of people who have taken that path, right? So that they they have taken that fast path to fly and they look back at it and they say, if there's any advice that I could give, it's that I would take it at least a little bit slower. I wouldn't have missed out on these once in a lifetime opportunities. Or, you know, for example, Carl from 1500 Days, right? Lived in a like house that he was flipping while he was doing it, you know, and he looks back on that and calls it his death march to mm-hmm. Fi. Those 1500 days were his death march, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, and he sort of looks back and thinks there's so much more happiness that he could have had along the journey if he had taken that process a little bit slower and figured out what he truly loved along the way. And I think the mad scientist might have also mentioned something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, it keeps coming up in these conversations. So, we should pay attention. They've they've done it before us. So, they're trying to warn us or advise Mm -hmm. us. Yeah. And that was was a really important thing for me because I also, when I was first like getting into a place where I was close to being ready to pursue FI, I heard an interview on Afford Anything with J.D. Roth, who was talking about something very similar. It was that he, about when he sold his blog and became financially independent and then thought it would solve all of his problems. And it didn't. It just exacerbated them and made him realize that he no longer had an excuse, right? Money could no longer be an excuse. So then he had to like work through all of the issues. And that struck me and really made me think, about how I wanted my FI journey to be and what I wanted, what I wanted my life to look like along the way. Yeah, that's that's perfectly said. And so we spoke a little bit about FU money. So um, just to put a little background on that, FU money is basically a decent size amount of money where you can kind of tell your current employer FU and uh, do something else or have some flexibility there where you're not at their mercy. Um, You said you had about nine months worth of reserves. What exactly did you do after you decided to take that break from work? And what are your goals for financial independence uh, that are different than maybe a traditional one would be? Yeah, for sure. 
so I took about six months off of work. Um, I did luckily receive some disability insurance during the time. And so I wasn't sort of going from, you know, 100% to 0%. I, you know, I got 60% of my pay during that time. Then when I went back to work, I actually decided to go back on a part-time basis. So I worked three days a week. Um, initially, I thought, well, okay, I'll do this for a period of time until my mental health improves. And then I'll, you know, go back up to 100%. And then we'll just continue on our, our sort of FI journey and goals. And then there were a couple of really interesting things that happened. So one was we thought that my decision to work part-time would have a dramatic impact on our FI timeline. It didn't because we were spending so much less money on things like takeout or easy to make groceries or the like general shopping of we're so busy, so we're just going to buy this thing instead of seeing if we can borrow it or get a deal, right? And we had more time to do travel hacking and, you know, and, and to, to find deals and all of that kind of thing. And so we realized that our savings rate was staying about the same. So then it was like, okay, so why would I then increase my hours if increasing my hours would then cause a lot more stress, which would then, you know, trigger the additional spending, right? So mm -hmm. that was one thing that, that happened. Um, the other thing actually was I read Work Optional by Tanya Hester. And it was really interesting because I think prior to that, I was still thinking about Phi as you know, you're either fully FI or you're not, right? Mm -hmm. And and in her book, she sort of started to get into the incremental financial freedom that you can gain by talking about mini retirements and semi-retirement. Um, so mini retirements being like you take, you know, six to 12 months or longer out of your career to do something different and then going back to work or semi-retirement being that similar, like similar people may have heard of it as barista fire, where you're withdrawing some money from your accounts, but you're still covering some of your costs with active income through mm. a part-time job or some kind of consulting or gig economy work. Um, and that was really interesting to me. And I started to think like, okay, maybe that's the path that I want to take. Like maybe I don't ever have to actually work full time ever again. And that was like a really interesting moment to realize like, huh, this is really interesting. <laughs> and then around that time, I also learned about this idea of coast financial independence. Um, so the idea that based on your age, you can get to a certain point where you have a certain amount of money already saved and invested that even if you don't add another dollar, it'll grow to provide you with a comfortable traditional retirement at 60 or 65, right? Whatever age you want to put into the calculation. Um, and so if you reach COSTFI, then basically all you would need to do is to cover your actual costs of living until that age. Right. Mm -hmm. If you want, right. That it's, it, it becomes an option. Mm -hmm. And so I learned about Coast Fi, did the calculation, realized that we were there. Right. So we had already reached Coast Fi, which for people who are 
31. Like that number is actually not very high. Right. I think I recently, you know, did some example calculations. And like for somebody who's 30, who spends $50,000, it actually might be 35 that spends $50,000. They could be coast by at like under $300,000 saved, mm-hmm. which is still a lot of money, but it's a small amount of money compared to what it will eventually grow to. Right. Right. right? Which for 50000 I think is around 1.2, right? With the 4%, if we're thinking... Yes. Like 5% uh, growth. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't have exactly the numbers in my head, but that's what I'm remembering. And so we, when we realized we had reached coast financial independence, it was like, okay, yeah, this was the clincher. Like I don't ever have to go back to work full time. We could scale back and only cover our actual costs of living if we want to, whenever we want to. Um, And so then from there, I had the opportunity to increase my hours at work. I said no. Um, and then spent the extra time that I had because my mental health was improving to start my own business, which then I grew over time in about nine months after starting it. And two years after starting the part-time job, I quit to become an entrepreneur. Um, and awesome. so I have been self-employed now for the last year and a half which now I feel like I'm very close to living what my post-fi ideal lifestyle would look like, but I'm, I'm a long way from actually achieving five. We're only like 42% of the way there, but our lifestyle is getting closer and closer to what we would want it to look like every year. Yeah, and so I just wanted to highlight something that you said on Coast-Fi um, which is that Coast Phi, you know, the number isn't actually that big if you really think about it because the hard work is being done by time in the market and compound interest. So, thank you for that example. At 35, you need about 300000 for a $50,000 a year annual expense. Um, but I think what I wanted to maybe even take further is that that's if you're at 35, but let's say you got a really great head start and you're like 20 years old and you're, you know, you're saving a good amount of money. You could possibly reach Coast Fi at like 25, 26 with 100,000 or something like that. And um, I think that that's just amazing when you put it in the calculators and you put like 7, 8% returns per year, you give it 30, 40 years, it's, it's crazy. 90% of your returns will come just from the growth of the market. So that's something that I just wanted to highlight is just the importance of being invested for for a long period of time. Yeah, for sure. I actually just pulled up the calculator. And so for someone who's 25, if you want to spend 50,000, it's like close to 175. Okay. Which is still which is a lot for a 25-year-old, but certainly not impossible. It is. Right? And if you consider it's half of the amount, almost half of the amount that uh you know, you would need if you waited 10, 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then by 65, that amount of money, if you're only doing like saying 8% growth, accounting for 3% inflation will grow to be 1.25 million. Nice. Which I is, like that number. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm doing, I, you, people can't see it, but I'm doing the mind blown on the video. <laughs> mind blown emoji. <laughs> Um, all right. And awesome. So, 
I want to talk a little bit more about, we spoke about, we were, we were talking about Coastify. I want to talk now about SlowFies, which is your bread and butter. It's what you, I think you're most known for at the Fioneers. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about, you know, what exactly do you mean now about SlowFi? Is there a timeline, 15, 20, 30 years, or is there really no timeline? Um, is there a fine number still? Just get into a little bit about that so we can get a clear idea of like, if I want to say I'm SlowFi, what does that mean? Great question. So I would say that SlowFi is not a particular number or a particular timeline, but that it's a philosophy. So similar to like the slow movement, slow living, slow food, right? The idea behind those is that you're intentionally going at the pace that is right for you, given your situation. So when I think of slow fight, I think of it as it's an umbrella concept where you are designing a life that you truly love along the path to financial independence and using the financial freedom that you gain along the way to do that, right? So you're using your debt freedom and the fact that you have lower expenses to be able to do certain things to design your life, find a different job that you enjoy more, even if it pays less, quitting a time-consuming side hustle that you might not enjoy, right? You are using your FU money to take a mini retirement, you know, or take a sabbatical from work or quitting a toxic job without having another job lined up, right? So there's so many different options. And then you might be using CoastFi to scale back your income um, or spend more money for a period of time, though not forever because that would increase your FI (laughs) number. But for example, for the last two years, we have dramatically increased our spending to buy and build out a camper van. And so because of that, that's okay with us that we're decreasing our savings rate for this period of time because mm-hmm. we're choosing right to, to spend dramatically more for a couple of years. Um, or if you reach barista fire or semi-retirement, you can scale back even more. You could work seasonally, um, right? And then there's many people who also decide they want to start businesses and become self-employed or freelance, right? So those are all options for people as they take this path to FI. For us, our our slow FI path has meant, um, right, that I worked part-time, became an entrepreneur, quit actually the, the part-time job before I had fully replaced my income, that my original plan was replace my income and then quit. Um, Since then, I have replaced my income from that. But it was definitely an interesting decision of like, there were some frustrating things that happened at work. And I realized I don't need to stay. Like, I don't need to keep doing this, right? Given the financial situation that we're in and multiple streams of income and all of those things. This has also meant during this time that my my husband has by choice chosen to continue working in his full-time capacity. He knows he doesn't need to. He's doing that because he wants to right now at this point. But over the next, you know, it, it's getting to the point where it's like, okay, the full-time job <laughs> is like hampering the lifestyle we want, you know, with the new van and, you know, being able to take road trips and, you know, travel and work remotely and, and that kind of thing. 
Um, but he's also in the process of making some shifts. So he only needs to be in his office one day a week. It's pretty flexible. So we might be able to travel and work from the road too for a while. And then he might get a, a sabbatical next year, which then allows him to continue working for a bit longer because it doesn't hamper the, the lifestyle that we want. Yeah. So f- for us, I would say like we do have a financial independence number in mind. If we were to like continue at our current pace, I think it would be like six years, like of regular spending, not camper van, including camper van spending. Um, it, we'd reach FI in our early 40s. Our plan though is to scale back our savings rate and save only like 20% or less once my husband is ready to to leave his work. And then that would have us reaching FI somewhere in our 50s. Awesome. And that is um, so awesome because you're taking the timeline like like slow to to be exact like you're really just saying hey at 40s maybe but you know we can change that to 50s or if not and i and i love mm-hmm. that it seems like you know season 1 i spent a lot of the episodes talking about how you can decrease the timeline so that you get to financial independence quicker um and now i'm realizing in this second season that um there's so many different ways to go about it and you're actively at times uh, delaying your FI number or your FI date. And um, it's bringing you a lot more happiness and a lot less stress. And in the end, isn't that what it's all about in the, at the end of the day anyway? So, are you feeling, how is your mental health and, and your stress and your anxiety today compared to, I mean, obviously, it's got to be better right? Mm-hmm. It's it's leaps and bounds better. Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely, I had a recovery period from that like mental breakdown and sort of the severe anxiety incident um, that happened in 2018 that took, you know, to get back to a good place took like a year or two. Um, and then now I feel like my, my mental health is better than ever. Um, which is awesome, I think. Mm-hmm. Of course, <laughs> it makes of course. me really excited and happy. <laughs> and I think a big part of that is that I get to right, like I'm not five, but I get to control my own schedule. Um, I work about 25 hours a week, which gives me lots of time to focus on my physical health, my relationship, take my dog for a walk and meditate every day to, you know, last week I was a little bit tired on Monday, so I just took the day off, Um, (laughs) right? And so having a lot of flexibility and control over the things that I get to do and knowing that I'm taking steps to build a life that aligns with my values and that I truly love it's just a much different feeling than in 2018 when I was like trying to kind of climb the corporate ladder and get that six figure job and, you know, do all of the things that I was quote unquote supposed to do um, rather than doing the things that I know are taking me toward what I actually want. Yeah. And I no, in no way does this compare, but just a personal story of mine. I do remember that, at one point, I felt pretty burnt out as a pharmacist and it's it's really rough, especially retail pharmacy. I know some people have gone on the show and discussed this, but I did eventually take a nice about 
week off and went to Dominican Republic, stayed at an all-inclusive resort. It was fantastic. And I came back and I was at a different speed. So, when you say slow fi and slow living, I really do feel like I only got to feel that when I got back from DR, um, Dominican Republic. And it was almost as if if something was uh, needed to be done by one o'clock, maybe it's not necessary. It doesn't like it was a different mindset. I was on a different speed. And it took about three or four days until that feeling was gone and I readjusted back to normal. Um, but I just don't think that it, that gets enough emphasis about how much that can take years of stress off your life and uh, the burden and, and just improve your health, really. Um, so, I just wanted to share that. Again, I know it's not necessarily a comparison, but um, I thought that that would be an interesting story to share. And wouldn't it be awesome? I mean, I I very much enjoy my life being slow. I don't know if you do, but I hear your story and I think like, wouldn't that be awesome to be able to just move at that pace all the time? Yes. And to be able to say, like to be able to look at the day ahead. And so I have this ritual that I do every morning of like, let me look at the day. And then I ask like, how am I feeling today physically and mentally? And then I get to decide, am I going to do those things today or not? <laughs> or am I going to do something else? Like, do I, do I really, would I rather take my hammock to the park across the street and read a book for two hours, which is what I did on Monday when I took, took the day off last week, right? But it, there's something about when you can minimize and get rid of all of the busyness, right? And so for me, part of that was throughout that process was I took sort of everything out of my life and then decided what I want wanted to put back in. And so I I eliminated so many things. Um, but I think it's possible for people to figure out and take small steps toward saying no, setting boundaries and eliminating things so that they can have more of that expansive space in their life to be able to say, does this thing really need to get done today? No, I'm going to go take a hike. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So, and that just, uh, so I guess it reminds me, and I think if you can maybe provide a little bit of, uh, I guess, clarity on this is, uh, uh, it reminds me of a to-do list really. And, uh, you know, you put something on the to-do list and in the morning or the night before you're super ambitious. So, you've got about 10 things on the to-do list and you really just spend the day trying to be as productive as possible. And by the end of the day, if you've done maybe seven of them, you almost feel like a failure because you didn't do the 10 that you initially wanted to. Um, did you ever struggle with like productivity in a world where now everything is about productivity? And, and um, you know, how did you handle, how did you get so good, I should say, at mm. not being as productive when it's not necessary? It's a good question, especially being an entrepreneur, all of my deadlines are self-imposed. So, I wouldn't say I'm perfect at this, right? There are certainly times that I'm like working, 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 and like someone will remind me like, you know, this is a self-imposed deadline, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, right. So, I think part of it is making sure to take the time to ask myself, how am I doing today when I'm creating that to-do list to say like, what really is going to be possible given like, how I'm feeling and sort of where my mind is at today. 
Another thing I think is having a supportive community, um, right? So I have a variety of different support systems. So I'm part of a mastermind group with other entrepreneurs. And then I have an accountability partner who's also a blogger and coach who we've been meeting on a weekly basis for, I think, about three years now. And like I heard this, I heard someone say, and I th- and it really struck a chord with me, that's like, I'm so much kinder to myself in the presence of another human being, which I think is really true. Like, I think if like, when I'm just in my own head, I can be like, you know, a taskmaster of like, <laughs> you have to do all of these things and so much pressure, right? But having people around me who are able to sort of pull me back from that to say like, but what really is important here? And is this a self-imposed deadline? And does that really need to be done today? Um, I think helps a lot. And then also when you start, for me, at least when I started then giving that same advice to people, then it's easier to hear my own voice in my head saying kind things to other people and reminding myself like, oh, I can apply that same exact advice to myself. Yeah, um, we can we can be our own uh, worst or harshest critic, really. It's, it's difficult to stop. But I love that you mentioned that strategy of, of support system and giving yourself a break every once in a while because you deserve it too. Everybody gets a break. You deserve one as well. Yes, everyone definitely deserves a break. And I think... One thing that was really, I don't know, a real mindset shift for me over the last couple of years was actually realizing that I deserve to be happy and that I deserve to thrive. I think I definitely came from a sort of background where I did have a lot of privileges growing up and I came out of school without having student loan debt. I'm white. I grew up in a middle-class family, went to a very good public school, right? All of those things and spent the first, the, the sort of first 10 years of my career working in nonprofit organizations and sort of feeling like, well, I don't really deserve to thrive or be happy if there are other people in the world who are suffering. And so for me, having there be the shift of, I can actually do my best work in the world when I'm thriving and a rising tide lifts all the boats. That was a real mindset shift for me. And being able to say, like, actually, if I if I fill myself to a point where I can give my overflow, I can actually do more mm-hmm. and have a, a greater impact on people and people's lives that way than if I'm giving my last drop constantly. Um right? Then people are just getting the crumbs. And yeah, so that, so it was a really important lesson of like taking care of myself first and, and realizing that I deserve to thrive, not uniquely, we all do, every single one of us does, and that I can actually live my life in that way. Yeah. And uh, that's perfect as well, because we all have our limiting beliefs and you know, they, they hold us back tremendously. Um, that was one of your limiting beliefs. And I, I know coming from an immigrant family and background that we have our limiting beliefs as well. The fact that we maybe don't um, need a break or we should never take a day off from work or call out sick because that's not look doesn't look good. And the employer will 
uh, replace you right away. Uh, those are all things that I've had to struggle with myself as well. But that's why I love financial independence. And I, and I think that that's something that's resonated with you too. In different ways, financial independence gives you this background to say like, no, you can stand up for yourself. You can do what you want. You can be happy. And it comes out in multiple ways, but that's, that's the, the power of it, you know? So thank you for, for sharing that. And it is, it is privileged at times to have these conversations um, when we know that other people can be struggling from paycheck to paycheck. However, I'm hoping that with stories like yours and this show and others, we can not only help everyone reach the go past paycheck to paycheck stage, but also kind of wrestle with these larger topics that are, you know, really the the end goal of, of, of you know, when, when you are looking for happiness. So, I would like also just to talk a little bit about like some details on saving for slow fi. If somebody's interested in really saying, hey, I want to do this slow fi, slow fi lifestyle or philosophy, how would they go about it? Like, do you have a six, three to six month emergency fund as an example? Would you invest more in a taxable account because you can access that money and fund like a semi-retirement life? Or do you still prioritize taxes and put uh, your 401k contributions? How do you how do you divvy that up yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so just like the right how SloFi is broad and how different people want different things, sort of under that umbrella. I think it really depends on what your ultimate goal is, right? So, for example, if someone wants to be able to take a mini, like take a mini retirement, or to start a business and have a runway um, of time for that business to be successful, if they don't want to build it, you know, as a side hustle, they would want to have a fairly significant emergency fund or stash of fu money, right, for that particular goal. Mm-hmm. Um, for someone who's who's wanting to take a coast by lifestyle, so for example, we're planning to take a coast by lifestyle where we are able to cover our actual cost of living for a long time, right? Until our 50s. We don't need to put as much money into taxable investments because we aren't planning on needing the money mm-hmm. anytime, right? Before the age that we would, except for, you know, except like we'd have some Roth money. So if we did need to be able to, to, you know, use that before 59 and a half, we could, Mm -hmm. Um, but we're planning on being able to cover our full expenses right between now and that period. Um, And so we aren't focused as much. We are focused on still optimizing for, you know, taxable investments and things like that. For somebody who wanted, would want to take like a barista fire or a semi-retirement path where you are starting to draw down those investments, that, that is a good question. I think you could, people would be able to focus on their taxable investments um, or potentially figure out how much money they do have in Roth accounts. Um, and I don't know exactly how Roth conversion ladders work because... I'm not planning to need to do that, but I know that there are certain people who who do right figure out how can they access their taxable investments earlier through different strategies. So that would be something to look into as well. Um, but I think it really depends on what your goal is, and then figuring out how do I 
fit the finances um, around that that goal of the lifestyle that I want. Yeah, that that's exactly right. I think I agree with you in that sense. So again, Jessica, thank you so much for joining the show and sharing everything that you've shared in terms of SlowFi, your story, and your everything you're doing on finears.com. So can you let us know if there's anything coming up that you'd like to share with the audience, um, your goals? I think you like to travel a lot um, with your camper mm-hmm. van, of course. Um, and then also where people can find you. Yeah, for sure. So we um, actually last Friday picked up our finally now completed camper van from the builder who we hired to do it for us. Um, So we are really excited to get our van life (laughs) adventures started. Um, So we have a couple weekend trips and then we're taking a three week long trip up to Canada um, at the end of leaving at the end of July. And then, you know, we'll, we'll figure everything out from there. Um, but that's definitely the big thing that's that's going on in our lives currently. And then people can find me um, on my website, which is thefioneers.com. And then on Twitter and Instagram at thefioneers. Um, and then we have a private Facebook group for people who are interested in SlowFi. Um, it's called SlowFi Enthusiasts. Um, and they can find it at thefioneers.com slash FB for Facebook. Perfect. I'm going to go ahead and link all those resources to the description below. So if you're interested in checking that out, I encourage you to, especially that Facebook group that seems really, really awesome to build that community. So that's cool that you you guys made that. Um, well, thank you again, Jessica, for joining the show and sharing your story. Um, we will catch you next time. For sure. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, you guys made it to the end. Thank you so much for listening to the entire show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And thank you so much, Jessica, from the Pioneers for joining. So I wanted to go over a little bit about the gems that I thought were so important. She she mentioned a little bit, well, she defined slow fi and she really gave us an idea of what slow fi would mean for everybody. And that, that could be a timeline that's different. Um, so I hope you take that or keep that in mind. And that's something that I took away as well is it doesn't mean that you have to necessarily extend your fire journey from seven years to 15 years. But, you know, you can you can learn to take it a little bit slower. So in my case, I was hell bent into uh, or to getting to financial independence in a matter of uh, four or five, six years, whatever it is that I have left. And, um, you know, I've realized that at this point, I can start enjoying some of the fruits of my labor and some of that uh, FU money that I have and some of the emergency fund that I have and start building the life that I want now. And and that's something that I have been doing, actually. And, and, you know, it's uh, I I just started a new job and it's been going great. And uh, this was all provided to me because I had money in the bank. I had that three to six month emergency supply. So I didn't have to take pretty much the uh, work toxic work conditions that I was in at the time. So, you know, I was able to make that move where, uh, you know, if I didn't have that money in the bank, then I would have had to stick around. So that's where you start to be able to flex your muscles and flex your, uh, well, your, your flexibility. So, You know, you can go ahead and make moves in life that start making you happy today rather than thinking about five to 10 years from now. So go ahead and buy yourself that coffee, that um, cappuccino. Go ahead and get yourself that t-shirt that you like at Target. 
Um, you know, it's okay. Like there is this stigma that you have to be super frugal until you reach financial independence and beyond. And that's that's just off-putting, I think, to a lot of people. So that's what I wanted to get out there with this show is that you can be frugal and you can be trying to reach financial independence and you can gain benefits from that financial independence even before you reach your FIRE number. And then you can also learn to take it slow and start enjoying the journey a little bit more. So anyways, I hope that you gained a lot out of this. And if you did, share it with a friend, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help us. And you can go ahead and check out all the resources on the links below. Um, That's where I will go ahead and share the articles from the pioneers as well as the resources from my website as well. So anyways, I will catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening until the end.